0: Connection is key. Hey guys, welcome back to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today I have guest Michelle Wingle. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I find this is a very interesting topic. And mm-hmm. I think people might really benefit from this where mm-hmm. they probably never would have even thought of this. Right.
1: I, I, I do ML, NLP. It's called NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And mm-hmm. it's a way of reprogramming those ideas that kind of take over that. And we get through our understanding of through our experience and things like that. Well, I start out years ago, probably about 2014, started to dabble in a little, you know, just kind of hearing a little bit about um, like essential oils and things like that. And, and kind of, you know, and things might, um, in my marriage, things were starting to get a little stressful and it wasn't making sense. This person that we, that I had known for so long. In fact, I, if I quickly tell the story me and my husband were born on the same day in the same hospital like
0: really? just
1: a few hours apart yes and then my sister was living in japan and he was living in japan when we were in high school and they met and were just talking one day and, and she said oh that's you have my sister's birthday you have you have the same birthday so she came home and said you'll have to meet him he's coming home you know, the end of this year, you, you should meet him sometime. Meanwhile, we were both starting our senior year of high school and we ended up going to the same. We ended up going to college for our senior year and we actually met each other on our own and just oh said, oh, God. you're that person. Oh, so if there was any story that would act like it should have a happily ever after ending, it should be that story. But it's he was starting like to me. have some... Yeah. He was starting to have it was just starting to he just wasn't being himself. He was being very avoidant. You know, we can you can go into attachment styles. He was being very avoidant. He was getting upset about things. He was struggling in his faith and all that. Everything just tore apart. His things just started to crumble in his life. And so I, you know, I just kind of looked for answers. We were going to the doctor um on a regular basis to get him. Um, some medicine. He was, you know, very anxious and very depressed. And so we were, go- we were on that um, trip, you know, going from, and we had a great doctor and it was very, very helpful, but it, it was, it was something would be great and then it would last a few months and then it wouldn't be great. And we, then we'd try a new medication or, or we would up it or add a medication. And I think that went on for five years. But in about 2015, it just everything kind of took a dive, and uh, my mom had passed away. My oldest child had moved out of the house. You know, it was time to move off, leave the nest, and that just really kind of flipped a switch inside me because I things about my my identity was going to change. You know, my family was now going to never be different. It was just kind of this really hard thing to get to see him leave, and then shortly after, my mom passed away. Shortly after that, we found some sexual abuse in with one of our children. And then we my dad ended up getting remarried pretty quickly. And my best friend was diagnosed with cancer. So it was like bam, 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 all of these things. And you get to that point where you just think, I'll do whatever I gotta do. I, I didn't care what I had to do. I it was spiraling. It was, it was really rough. And so I went to my very first Reiki session. I had a Reiki session. And that was helpful. Driving home from the Reiki session was, you know, kind of a moment where I felt like I could handle what was before me. And within a month or two, I had signed up to take my own Reiki training and loved that. And um, so I went all the way up there. I have I'm an official my official title in Reiki is a Karuna master master. Reiki master, Karuna Reiki master is what it is. So I went as far as you can go in that and I loved it. And I would recommend that training to anybody. It was really, really fascinating and really kind of gave you the fundamentals about, you know, these kinds of modalities. It was, it was very well planned out and had like a, it it taught it well, where sometimes they they're just like hey here's what you do this that one was very methodical and and taught the the concepts and worked you through all the different pieces of metaphysical healing kind of a thing and and um
0: sounds like you had a good teacher
1: I did I had a good teacher we I did a holy fire is the name of the the brand of reiki I guess it's called and it's the, through the international reiki um and it was it was really great I I really liked that and then I and then I did from there from that training i kind of we kind of had this she had what she called a reiki retreat and it was just all of her students from who whatever year could come to this little 3 day retreat and from there i met a man who was getting ready to do um, a shamanic walk he had um been in a car accident in the early 90s his wife and son were both killed he himself had seen her on the other side Experienced that had this near amazing near death experience. His name is Jeff Olson. If you look him up, he's his story is amazing. And when he was on the other side, he felt nothing but love and care and connection with everything. And you would think you'd come home, and that's what's amazing about these experiences. You think you'd come home, and then everything would just be beautiful in your life. But it kind of it kind of threw him for almost ten years because it was so different than what he had been raised to think you know, was supposed to right. be like, There's are supposed to be very distinct differences for different people who are doing different things. And he did not experience that. So through that 10 years of trying to wrap his head around the fact that he was worthy of love and, and, and understanding and connection, right? He had been um kind of adopted through some Native American tribes and learned their shamanic ways. And they had came to him and said, it's time to to gather a tribe and teach the people that are ready to, to come. And so I took that first shamanic walk with him and it was a nine, eight, nine month walk of just it, to me, it just seemed like I tore everything down. I had to tear everything down to the bottom and build up what was mine to have, you know, to really look at things. And I learned month. It was an eight month. Yeah. We would, each month was a different um of different they call them rites and you would you would think about the rites for instance the first rite is all about mother or the serpent you know the serpent and 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 learning the ways of the serpent the the and the serpent goes into the dark the serpent is always touching the earth every part of their body if the serpent touches the earth you know and to be grounded to the earth and it was a beautiful um to learn that you know the native mythology and way of really connecting and being centered and at peace but the other thing that this serpent does is it lets go of it sheds its skin and lets it go and so it was a month of letting go and it was just on your mind every single day and we'd get together and it was just you know it was just so therapeutic to to kind of let everything go to recognize what you were holding on to and even if that was, whatever that was, whatever that was, you know, but you all of a sudden shined a light on all that you were holding on to. And it just became this month after month building upon each other to kind of learn through all these rites. And very similar, you know, you can lay that right on top of the chakra system. It's It was really kind of amazing how these ancient um, practices really speak the same symbolism. They might have different language, but they speak the same symbolism and. And so it really worked well with all the stuff I had learned in, in Reiki and all the, I'd taken a, um, it's a master energy healing uh, certificate and all the same, you know, very, very similar. So I began, um, after taking those things, began seeing clients. And then I, uh, my partner, actually, who is my teacher in my Reiki teacher, we be, actually became business partners oh. and started what we call the Wholeness Network. And the Wholeness Network is, uh, the idea is almost like, it's like a Netflix for wholeness, for wellness. And our idea was sometimes, you know, in between even my own sessions, sometimes you're just having a moment and we, we have a library of videos to turn to, there's tutorials, you know, so I have a bunch of tapping tutorials that you just, you know, it's like, I'm feeling this feeling, okay, put on that show and tap along and kind of work through it. We have, a lot of meditations. Um, we've got a lot of downloads for you to kind of look over and journal through things. You know, whatever suits you. But it was it's just kind of like our online medical health kit for for what we would do for ourselves. You know, and wanting to pass that on to to the world. So that is an amazing. It's an, an amazing library. It's like four dollars and ninety nine cents a month. It's we wanted to make it affordable. So that, you know, and and it, you can have it on your phone. We are just getting it ready to be uh, an actual app, which, will, which I've been, we've been working on it for so long and it'll be so great to be able to just have the app and click on it. And it's like, okay, where, what do I need? I need to hang out. And we have these beautiful things we call visual meditations. And that's the thing that I love is meditation. Sometimes people say, I can't meditate. There's no way I can't sit there and quiet. And I get that so you turn on this meditation and you can watch it you can close your eyes if you want to you know and do your do your thing but it's just kind of a way of it's like a baby step into meditation or into mindfulness to just stop and and just spend a few minutes and by the time you're done watching a 5 minute visual meditation i, I you know i guarantee you feel a little more relaxed than you did before you know
0: so, I think we could all use that, right? It's sure. It's
1: it's so true. I mean, life gets life gets to us, and and that moves right into um, you know trauma. So understanding trauma has been my last maybe three years, three and a half years um, journey. I I've been trained in different trauma release techniques. I've been I've done trainings with people Peter Peter Levine, who is the ultimate trauma person. Besser Vandalkolk, um people like that, um, that to help really understand what trauma is. And so a lot of times I think in the in society, we kind of just think, you know, somebody that has trauma, they had this big event that happened, this big huge event, and it was impactful and everybody would, oh, you know, everybody would pull back and say, wow, that that's that's a traumatic event. But really what trauma is, is it's really whatever our body's reaction is to something that overwhelmed it or was shocking to the system. It's an it's part of the nervous system. And it's there in that moment, you know, to help us in a moment, but but it gets into the system and it just repeats and repeats and repeats. But there's this other side that I didn't know about and then and full circle coming back to to my husband. We realize there's this thing we've learned with him that's called CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So what happens is is that we have like it's a it's where our nervous system is engaged over a long period of time instead of just one traumatic event. We've got you know a lot of it. So so you've got people it's the
0: who boom 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and what's interesting with him most fascinating thing that I've learned about trauma is that your nervous system will register trauma to what didn't happen as much as what did happen. So for instance, when we get, there's a video on, you can Google it on YouTube and it's called the still face experiment. And they take little babies and they ask their mom to play with the baby. You can watch the baby playing. And then they ask the mom to just turn into a still face. So so she's not angry. She's not hitting them she's not doing anything but just a still just nothing face and within 2 minutes the baby is in a full on it would be a traumatic response you know it would be a traumatic response so a lot of times what's happening in our busy world is we are still facing each other and our bodies are rep- are registering these as as a trauma and it might not even happen at the time the trauma is trying to get you somewhere else but later it shows up i have a great example this was a traumatic event but this explains how it goes a few years ago i was helping my niece with her wedding she was getting married and my my sister was you know we were putting the um, reception and all the decorations and all the little things that you you put up and so they had went on their way and i had stayed behind to help clean up and you know put the presents all in the car and that kind of thing and so i was driving home late probably about 40 minute drive late, like one in the morning Mm. and I was on the freeway and all of a sudden I looked in my rearview mirror and there was a car so close to my bumper. I couldn't even see the lights and I had not seen it come up and the freeway was empty and I was in the, I was in the very left lane. So there was plenty of room to go around me, but it scared me. So I yeah, I slipped, I pressed on the gas to like, Oh, let me get out of the way. You know, you're just kind of this response to push on the gas and sure enough, they just pulled out to the side of me. Yeah. It was so scary. Pulled out the side of me and just rode with me, you know, I mean, and then I would slow down and it would slow down and I would speed up and it would speed up. I mean, I felt, I felt like I was in danger and didn't know what to do. And then luckily all of a sudden it just sped off and took off on a, a freeway exit and was gone. But of course I'm sitting there like breathing heavily, like terrified. I mean, it was Scary. Yeah, it was that could so have, scary. have ended very differently. Right. So. I didn't know what the intention was. I didn't know what was happening, but clearly wasn't just upset that I was going slow. You know, like there was some real uh, um cat and mouse dangerous. Yeah. So I went home and I, you know, woke up my husband and I even got in the tub because I was just kind of shaking and stuff, and it was so scary. And this is a good lesson for me because I'd had my trauma training so. I told my husband, I says, you know, I think I need to go back and ride that freeway again and, and kind of re replay that. And then life got busy and I didn't. And so a year later, I'm opening up my phone. I turn on, pull, pull up Instagram and there's my niece's happy one year anniversary. And my body had a reaction. My body went, you know, it just clenched and I felt sick. And I was so nervous and just in a click, I, I knew exactly what had happened. I was having this trauma response and that's what trauma does. It lives in our, in our system until we work through it, you know, and I, I so I think, you know, and knowing what my husband's gone through with not being what, what wasn't done. So, you know, all these people that say, oh, well, our family, we're not emotional people, or I just, that's in the past. I just move on. I'm learning we have to be careful about that because we might move on in our brain, but our nervous system and our body does not move on. It does not move on no matter how much we tell it to move on. What we tell it to do and what we do is we distract and we pick up these different things to be a distraction. Mm -hmm. And we get angry at something over here that has nothing to be, it's really not part of being angry. And we just kind of snowball until our health starts to diminish is what I've seen most of the time. And again, from what didn't happen, it, it's the same thing. So if we didn't have enough attention or care as a child, especially, and there's a great book called Running on Empty, and the author's super nice. I was able to meet her. Her name's Janice Webb. And she calls it childhood emotional neglect. And she has a test you can even take to understand um, if you have this kind of unseen trauma. And it was just kind of eye-opening when my husband read that book to understand kind of the dynamics he had lived through and was kind of raised in, where there was probably so much trauma at one point that everybody kind of shut down and we just coexisted in the same home. But like Brene Brown says, we're wired for connection. So when you have a still face, there is no connection there. In fact, the still face, they have repeated it. However, they've asked what they've done is they've had it over camera. So the mom's playing with the baby and the baby's laughing and all the stuff. And then she goes still face and the baby starts to point to things and starts to like, you know, wanting to get the mom's attention until she starts crying and by within two minutes, the babies are. Panicking, you know, they're panicking as if the world's ending and their mom's still right there. But when they're doing it over video, they would just replay the positive parts and it was still, they'd have the same reaction because there was no connection. They knew it as babies under two years old that they weren't having this connection. That's how wired we are. So when Brene Brown says that, it's true. Like we need it like we need, you know, food and water and sleep. Um, it's one of those. Needs that we have to be seen and to be connected to a loving person, as you know, especially a caretaker. And when that doesn't happen or when, uh, there isn't that enough attunement, they call it this attunement between child and, and, um, parent or, or caretaker, then. It, it's threatening. It's life-threatening. And and we do it all the time. In fact, I, I once a month, I host in the library, in the Wholeness Network, I host a mommy and I call it a mommy and meesh because all that I've learned, even raising my own kids, I would do things differently because there's no, you know, under the age of two, maybe even three, there is not enough. There's not too much connection. You know, there's not, they're not, there's no spoiling of a child at that age I think we we got that wrong for a long time and if it's difficult for us you know but I understand I was a mom and like I need my own time right like I need to be myself too I can't be connected to that and so that's what this is about is how do we kind of uh, for myself I I want to support moms enough to where I can help them be able to do what they need to do or to to get a good caretaker or to at least be aware of of what to, to do when you're in your child's presence, you know, but, but really to support the moms because, you know, it's hard. So it's a place to say, Hey, this is hard. And what do I do? You know, or, you know, all the questions that come up, it's just a place to have support and a place to learn and grow, but also to be able to say, I don't like this sometimes, or I want, what do I do when this happens or? because that's just the way it is. And so, and I, as a society, we don't support moms as much as we, as much as I doing my research or learning what I've learned. I, I just think, wow, that should be all hands on deck. When a new child comes into the, into the world, it should be because it, it supports us all. You know, if we've got healthy people, we've got a healthy society. Our health begins, you know, most of adult trauma is, between the ages of zero and 18, you know, that's where most of that comes in because the nervous system is learning and growing and wide open. And the brain is wide open, trying to, to learn and understand. And so it's downloading these kinds of information into this wide open brain. And then we want it to act differently when it's not been trained that way, you know, where it's, it hasn't been um, formed that way. And so it really, the CPTSD is really, they, they consider it even a brain injury because the really? brain has been um, developed differently. And the brain is plastic, they say, so we can we can shift that. And that's one of the things that I loved about learning NLP, which is neurolinguistic linguistic programming. It's a. It's been around forever. There's a million different people that do it, and a million different ways of doing it. A lot of sales people use it, but it's just understanding the way the brain works in order. So people like with sales, they'll they'll use it to to kind of get people to say yes, right? You know. So, but for me, um, I've used it in clients to help them reprogram these difficult times. So I had one client who was struggling with some betrayal trauma um her spouse had had an affair and it was so difficult and she couldn't get over it and we're still even working through it but she she would you know she's very nervous and jumpy all the time and so we did this technique where one of the things that she struggled with is when she would go to do laundry when she would be doing his laundry he would she would get triggered and she couldn't finish so we were able to go in with NLP and reprogram that and within just a few minutes, it was wild that she, she you know, she, the later she's like, wow, I don't, that doesn't bother me anymore. And it's, it's kind of wild. You can do it with um, people use it for, for food. Like if they want to s- stop liking food, we can, we can kind of take, so you take a positive kind of thing and you overlay it with a negative thing or vice versa to try and reverse the the brain's reaction to it. So we'll use a negative thing. If we kind of want to take this, like some people want to not like this certain food. So we'll take a food that they hate and we'll we'll overlap them in your memory. And so then it kind of taints the experience of them. It's kind of wild.
0: That is freaking bizarre, but it's so cool.
1: <laughs> right, right. That's been a really cool little new technique I've been using in understanding how because you know, when we to, to create a memory or to create an experience, you know, we have these different um, sequences of what we do. So for myself, I talk about the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual bodies, these parts of us, you know. And our mental body is the part of us that are all of our thinking and, and our beliefs about things kind of happen in this mental. Body, we've got our emotional body that are kind of our emotions. They're they're kind of different. Like if we're having a thought about something, we'll have an emotion because of that thought, but they're kind of different. You know what I mean? Or we'll have an emotion about something, and my thought behind it is way different than somebody else's thought about it. You know? So we have it's almost like these different pieces, and then we have our spiritual body is a lot about these parts that are non physical. You know these the connections that we have, the meaning that we give things, whether that's you know, sometimes we find meaning in um, spirituality, but sometimes we find meaning just in in how I take things, you know, something every day can have a different meaning for me than it does someone else. And what's interesting is when I was kind of working, you know, kind of, because I would just kind of get this ideas, you know, this, this aha moments, and I journal a lot, and I, I feel like I receive a lot of downloads. What was really interesting was, When I sat there for a minute, I realized that all of these things, our thoughts, our emotions, all those connections and and meaning, how we experience them is through sensations in our bodies. Like that's how we are actually experiencing, not to mention the fact that our body takes in information from our senses, right? So it's a physical, we're having a physical experience when we're having these these things that are all a mix. You know, you don't have a thought, you don't have an emotion without a thought, really. And you don't really have a thought without some kind of emotion. And they're different. You know, they, they're they kind of independent. Because one person, like I say, one person could have this thought, but have this emotion, one person could have this emotion, but it's tied to this thought. So they're kind of independent. but they
0: things from yeah, their own view. Everyone yes, has eyes. Exactly. You got it. Yeah. And, but how do we know
1: that's what's happening it's really through these sensations in our body and I also realize that so much of us are disconnected from our bodies I think number one because there's a sp- some kind of standard our body's supposed to have and when it doesn't fit that standard we disconnect or people think their bodies are bad or ugly like I say or or you know will be nice some point you know like it's this you know, my body will be, I'll, I like my body if it was this, well, that's a disconnection, right? That's a disconnection. And so those sensations, we kind of push those away because we're not happy about where they're coming from. And we're losing this, the way that we're experiencing the world, we're, we're kind of shutting down. And, and then what we do is we get, you know, we go onto social media, we get hits of dopamine, and that's our that's our new feeling, you know. That's our new feeling, and I hope I, I I don't ever say do nothing. I I would never say never do that again, or I never uh, I wrote a a weight loss book, and I never say don't eat that, or I I never want to say what's bad because I think it's more what's authentic, you know. It's what's what's authentic to you, and to really get to know what's what's authentic, and sometimes we we don't know because we've got all this this layers of stuff in the way, so we got to heal things. Uh, I talk about that. I'm like, what if weight loss was more of a healing journey than it is like, because all we have right now is we have a, we fight physical. We really punish the physical through restriction of food or, or exercising, you know, breaking down cells to try and build them up. Those are helpful. They're not wrong, but we got it. What if we looked at why, why, <laughs> you know, why do I want that? Or what's going on behind there? Or
0: Tell you what, if you can get it over healing, you will be mm-hmm. one rich woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it takes.
1: Yeah, it, it's just it. It. I think there's compassion there. You know, I speaking with a client the other day who is struggling with addiction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and it actually wasn't my client. He was actually a friend of of my husband's, and he's in recovery for addiction. And he's even, he's a medical doctor, like he, he's a medical doctor. And we were just talking and I said, you know, I want you to do one thing. I said, next time that desire comes, can you, and we kind of worked through it. I said, can you say, of course, I would want this. Of course, because we, instead of demeaning ourselves and like beating ourselves up, you know, if we understand trauma, and that addiction is the best medicine most people have for the trauma, because it is overwhelming when, you, when your nervous system is on alert. That's overwhelming. That is painful. It's physically painful. It's emotionally painful. It's a mentally painful. It's spiritually painful. It It's overriding this. And so we have these addictions that take the edge off. And we're just trying to get rid of these addictions and food can be an addiction where we're not it's addressing the real Band-Aid. life thing. Yeah, it's just a bandaid. And you know what? I, I, for me, I, I mean, that what I told him, as I said, good job finding some kind of a bandaid. It's kept you alive. It's honestly kept you alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if if you watch that still face experiment, if that baby went on too much longer, it, it's it, it's like it would snap. You know what I mean, it would break its very soul. If nothing else, it'd be a, a hollow being you're walking around here you know i was telling this this man you're walking around here you're, you're you're in our lives we love you and appreciate you you bring goodness to the world so it's worked for a minute and now let's try something else you know let's work on something else and just that little bit of compassion just that little bit of of giving him some room to not be the worst thing in the world you know to not be a horrible horrible person the next day he says, you know what? I, I didn't, I was for the first time I didn't relapse or I didn't. And it's like, yeah, like we, we, there's a lot of power in some compassion and unconditional love. That's, that's really all I did is, you know, I just said, I, just next time say, I want that. Of course I would.
0: I'm hurting. Yeah, and Deep down you know you don't want it. So if right. you're gonna say, I want this, of course I do. And it's right. like, no, but I really don't. And I think right. that's why you wouldn't go along with it. Because you're like right.
1: No. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, you know, because what's really interesting too is when we have trauma, especially relational trauma, which most of it is. If you've ever heard of Vessel Vander Vanderkolk, he's written a book called Um The Body Keeps the Score. And he talks about how he's, he's actually the man, one of the men who actually got PTSD to be in the, in the books, the DSM five, well, it's the five now, but back in the eighties, like, you know, for the longest time it was shell shock or it was just whatever, but it was working with these, you know, really working with the um, soldiers who in the military, who's that's what we think of when we think of uh, PTSD, you know, and and working with them, and and I heard him. You know, he has said I've I've seen him speak, and he's he said you know if we could have talked about we didn't we purposely didn't bring in childhood into that because it wouldn't have got in to the, you know. But he says if we can bring it if we looked at childhood trauma, we would take a book this big and we it would be a pamphlet. That's how important those first. Few years of our lives are. And, and it's not that we have terrible parents. We just haven't understood the way that we process information, the way that we, what we need, you know, that we actually need connection. We, we still have this, oh, you don't want to spoil your child. And yet I just, I think what's spoiled because I, I think you could kind of parallel our addicted society, you could call that spoiled. <laughs> you know what I mean, like they're just, they're not, they're, they're complete, you know, you get into this selfish mode when you're in a certain point, different people are different levels, but you, you become tunnel vision because you're trying to not die. Honestly, you're in such pain or, or whatever, or, or in some cases, chem- chemicals, you know, you, they take over and then there's this thirst and hunger for the chemical. But, you know, um, That's a side tangent, but there's a clinic, you know. Gabor Monte Monte in uh, Toronto opened a clinic where he'd let people come in and he would give them all the drugs they wanted. As long as he just wanted them to have a clean needle, he wanted, you know, and and they would work with them and they gave them all they wanted. And guess what? Most of them quit drugs because they had unconditional love. You know, there, there just wasn't that fight against, which if you think about that fight, like that's what's happening in the trauma. You're, it's like you're drowning, right? And so that fight that is there and it doesn't, and what happens is, is we feel uncomfortable when we don't have that fight is really what's going on because we were born that way. We were, our, our brain was developed under those circumstances. So that stress or that heightened hypervigilance or, or whatever gets programmed in. And so now it's like, that's the normal level. Like that's what the body thinks is normal. Cause that's what's happened.
0: Exactly. Just like if you're in an abusive relationship, you get kind of used to that. So yeah. say, then you date a really nice guy, you almost are off put by it because you don't know how to take it.
1: A hundred percent. That's exactly what, that's exactly right. It It's, it's scary and painful to have Healthy relationship because it's not normal. It's not normal for you. And so, how do we expect someone to just on their own flip that switch and say, "No, that's a healthy person." There, it doesn't. It's not a mind issue. It's not a cognitive thought process. It is a nervous system response. So we we tell them, you know, we tell each other, "Oh, it's fine, though. It's fine. Okay, all right." And then they're right back because. They're responding to this nervous system thing. They're not having a process of thoughts that says, well, this, this, and then this, and then this. Like that, they can do that. (laughs) But until that nervous system feels calm and at peace, it's going to have a reaction. And when you think about trauma responses, it's important to understand the responses you've got fight, which is anger, or fight, or move into the situation, or overpower, or Things like that, you know. Think about those things. You've got flight or fight, flight. You know, you check out, leave. Um, Whether you leave physically and run, or whether you just check out, you know, or begin to make space. You know, it's like you make space with the other person, and that and that can even be like, oh, you you know, you you make up excuses why you can't make appointments, and those things like that. You're you're fleeing, right? You're you're moving away. You've got freeze which is uh, you know, an important one that sometimes happens for us women, especially you just freeze. We go speechless, right? That's the, I can't even speak. It's like freeze, you can't move. And so what does that look like out in the world? Like, you know, we stay home in our homes, don't go out of the house and isolate, right? That's a freeze response. And then we have the last one, which is appease, which I wanted to bring up or fawn, people call it fawn. But like you were saying, Sometimes we in abusive relationships, this is what's really hard. Somebody can a perfect abusive relationship is when you've got two people, one's having a fight response and the other one's having an appease response. <laughs> that is going to be a a long-lasting relationship that is very, very unhealthy. And they're both having a trauma response. And mostly again, women are mostly in this appease. They're, they're mostly the ones that will appease, so they're trying to be nice or trying to, it's almost a codependent relationship where they're trying to um, love them enough or, and it's just this automatic response, not a cognitive. They're not thinking, how can I make that? How can I make my spouse's life better? Like that's a cognitive thought versus an a reaction where it's like getting them whatever they want, you know,
0: always saying yes. Yeah. You don't want to deal with the repercussions. Like right. you'd rather just do anything and everything that they say right right and and so you're
1: having a trauma response you know you're not cognitively thinking that you want to stay your your nervous system has made a judgment about the survival options and has chosen the one that it thinks is the best and it happens in a moment and it's there for a good reason but when it gets stuck when it gets stuck on or when it gets ag- aggravated or or triggered you know a lot of people that that word triggered it's kind of becoming no big deal but it's a big it's a big deal to be triggered it it is not once we are triggered then to be able to back pedal on our own i don't know i think it's almost impossible uh, you know we we i think we manage it through things that in other you know, depending on what it is, would be considered an addiction. You know, it's something that distracts us and moves us into a different place that's unhealthy. That can be food, that can be Netflix, that can be shopping, that can be a chemical, you know, that can be alcohol, anything. And toxic people uh,
0: could be right,
1: anything. Could be anything. And it's it's Cereal a way to... Killers, a lot to
0: of it. those were unfortunately, you know, they had childhood trauma. And the way that they deal with it is to hurt other people. Right. They're right. And, and you know, it, it's
1: hard to say, you know, like it, this is a tricky thing because I, you know, I never want a, a victim or a family of a victim to feel like I'm telling them their pain isn't doesn't matter. But for me, I really think if we could understand trauma why don't we do the work to understand trauma so that we don't have more victims? Because I guarantee you the prisons are full of highly traumatized people, highly, highly traumatized people. And we just keep wanting them to, to further uh, discipline themselves with no tools of doing so. And, and I, and that's the other thing too, is like we, we look at, um, you know, we've got gender issues, race issues that those are kind of those things that they're running around because they walk through the world and their personhood is thought to be less than on a collective level. That's it's one of those still faced things. Nobody's maybe nobody's actively telling them they're terrible, but the nervous system knows I, my personhood is wrong. And so there's no way they're not going to have a trauma response. And the trauma response Will only if for so long, in my opinion, because I saw it in my own husband. I mean, he he wasn't ever violent. There wasn't ever a time that we needed to call the police. But it was not him. It got to the point where his trauma was so acute. I mean, that's why we're on medications. You know, only we were at the doctor every three months. You know, we think it's an anxiety and depression, and it that was a symptom of it, but it wasn't the real problem. And now, um, as we work through it, it's still difficult. As far as his nervous system has been in this in this mode for so long, it's work to kind of we're working to re redo that to rewind that. It's not something that we could just do magically in one one uh, session. But he's aware, and that awareness of his body and what's happening in his body that his heart's beating or that he feels. Nervous and angry. One of the things that, kind of going through therapy and and working on these things, you know, it's it's something that you don't know is happening. But it's been for us, it's been kind of interesting. Like when I would leave the house or when I go somewhere, he is he has his struggles. It's a struggle for him, and most of the time, you know, he can he can work through it and it's fine. But it's that deep core. Under two year old, I needed my mom when she what, and she didn't come. Fear or experience, abandonment. yeah, abandonment.
0: It's very that, hard for people to let go.
1: Yeah, so yeah, you you gave the right word. It's it's deep abandonment issues when they people call it abandonment issues, but what it really shows up as in in the world is. That in our situation, you know, like it's it's hard. Like I, I even still have to kind of let him know when I'm going to be gone. You know, like it's almost I have to let him know what's going to happen, what's where I'm going to be, what what time I plan on being back, and and then and he, you know, he'll be like, oh, okay, okay, um, and then he's aware, you know, he's like, okay, aware that he that we're doing this, and then he's aware when I come back that there's this piece of him that has that. It's like. He can tell me he's like, oh yeah, I can feel it right now. Like it's this desire to pull away. Like I'm back, but it's like this. It's they've done the studies with little kids. When people have what's called a, a disorganized attachment, they they want their parent, but then when their parent they they would watch them when they were in a daycare, right? And you know they they would scream and kind of cry while their mom was gone. And then when their mom would come back, they would ignore them. Like, they, It's like they're having a little attitude, you know, or whatever. <laughs>
0: How dare you leave me here all day. Yes.
1: <laughs> and that's really what it was. It was kind of, it's like their, their nervous systems going, hey, you left me and I can't afford to get close to you again. You know, like, it's like, it's danger you, you put me in danger. And so it kind of builds this tension between the relationship and so we're we're still working on that for him to be completely free of that feeling but it's it's there before he had the awareness you're just mad in traffic you're just mad that i didn't you know like he would maybe he would be mad at me if i you know left the toilet seat up you know like those dumb things that's it comes out in little teeny spurts to kind of decompress but it's nowhere near the problem it's nowhere. It's not the real core issue. And so just by him having awareness about what is going on has been, you know, life-changing for our relationship, able to work through those things and to, to see those things and to really calm that nervous system to, to, to feel it. But, and I think we'll get to where it's more of a memory, you know, it's further back in time. Baby steps. Um, little. Yep. Yep. And it'll be, it'll be there. But it's, it's the awareness, the awareness for him of the fact that his childhood wasn't all that he thought it was. He'll tell you right now, if anybody says, Oh, I had the great childhood, he's going to be very suspicious. <laughs> Cause that was him. He was like, Oh, I had the greatest childhood. It was great. Like there was no problems. But what his definition of problems were, it was an emotional neglect. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble. Yeah. You, but you needed to be able to come home from school, walk in the door and have a parent's eyes light up. Like, your, your physiology needs that. It needs to be important in the world. It needs to be valued. It needs to be that, like, again, that personhood needs to exist and be enough in the world. And I'm telling you, you know, people that, you know, I, I like I say, it's not like it's an overnight thing, but I just wonder if we start to put into practice some of these important um, if we all work together as a society, society to say, hey, this, we got to, in order to empty the jails, we're starting under five, you know, we're starting eight and the younger, or whatever, you know, and, and if we do the work there, we will not have the jails full of people. And that's the thing is like what it does for me is, yeah, then I'm not a victim of a crime because we have people, <laughs> we have a system that understands how humans work and what they need. And then we don't have, it's possible at some point that becomes less of a problem. The United States has the most, they have the most percentage of, of people in jail of almost every other country. And, you know, it's punishment. I, I understand punishment, but I would rather not have the <laughs> the crime. I would rather not have, uh, you know, victims in the first place, you know, and it's, it'll take a generation or two, but this discipline thing isn't. Are, are, they're getting fuller and fuller, Right. the jails are getting fuller and fuller. It's, it's not a determinant like we really want it to be. And if we understood, I think the trauma responses and it could change. I just think it could change.
0: I think maybe it should be like a mandatory course in like, at least if middle school or something like you have to take some kind of healing class I think mm-hmm. even something like that, maybe even every year, <laughs> right. like an elective, you know, to help people right. be able to become better people.
1: Yep. Well, we we just need to, I, I, you know, my my sister, um, a few years ago, her husband was diagnosed with cancer. And w- the second he got that diagnosis, there were teams of doctors calling him. He never had to make an appointment anymore. It was, here's your appointment, show up here and here's your medication, and I will call that doctor, and we're going to set up that. Like, There was a team, a team when he was diagnosed with cancer. And like I say, they, they did the work. And then when he passed away, I watched my sister have no team. And yet the impact on her emotional, mental, physical, spiritual body was no less of a major impact in her life than his was, you know, but we had this team. And so I my, I would hope one day that we have these teams. Like I, I told my husband, I says, this has taken us years to work through this. But what if it was like, oh, we understand you've been diagnosed with early childhood neglect. All right. So here we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I mean, I think it would shrink his healing time way down if it was taken as seriously of an impact in our experience, you know, because we can die of cancer, but it's hell to live with trauma. It really, really is. And so the different ways that people are coping, I mean.
0: I mean, if there's girls in school that get raped, so that would be nice to be able to go talk, release, mm-hmm. start right. right then and there when that right. happens, instead of letting it just fester, 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 because right. it could turn into later.
1: Right. Well, I, I, exactly. I mean, can you imagine a, a society where a young girl is raped, even says she's raped? I don't even care, you know, because there's that whole thing where everybody thinks they're making it up. It was like, and then we make that a priority to like, get her help. I don't care if she's making it up or if it really happened. you know what I mean? Like, we need help. There,
0: there's something going on. Yeah, because if she's lying, there's a reason why she would be lying about exactly. it. Exactly. It's exactly.
1: This is it. We we, we've just discovered a major wound. Why will we not address the wound? We just let it sit there and let it sit there, and then expect these people to be full time human beings in society. And and I think it's catching up. I think we're. I think we have way more traumatized people than not. When you add in the the things that didn't happen, you know, for instance, you know, if if even in, in adulthood we still face each other. You know, a lot of times wives, women will talk about their spouses coming home from work if, and they're cooking dinner and there's this grumbly thing and they go sit down, you know, that, that you've just been still faced. Your nervous system's going to register that as a pain. Only oh, you have no attachment to it. There's no memory of what did not happen. You know, you did not get that connection. You did not get that um, recognition and you're physiology needs that it needs to be seen and it needs to be to be heard and then who you know how many days of that does that happen before it leaks out we call it comes out sideways you know comes out when your child does something wrong you're offloading all of that build up onto someone else even if it's road rage in traffic it a lot of that is is other things being you know unprocessed stress Coming out sideways, and we don't prioritize that, but it's, but we're living with the consequences of it left and right. um
0: Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: So you said you could heal a person just from their hands or using your hands?
1: Well, I, yeah, w- with Reiki, or the premise of Reiki is that there's, they call it, it's Reiki energy. And, you know, I mean, I have stories of healing. I I think that it's it's a mind, body, spirit, soul kind of all, you know, it's an alchemy of those kind of those kind of things. I mean, Reiki is all about aligning the chakra and you get into the whole, not just the chakras, but it's like understanding the energy system of the body. If you go to the wholeness network.com at the bottom, if you if you subscribe, you just give you your email. We send out like a free energy class, a class on your energy system to help you understand there's a system of the body that's the energy body. And in fact, I did a podcast myself a few weeks ago, and I quoted a bunch of medical journals, and medical papers, where they, they were looking at this stuff. And, and it was really fascinating. I hadn't even heard it this way. But the energy system is the it's like the communication between the cells and the systems. You know, it's that's what we're talking about is it's how do we what's that communication happening, because the cells are reproducing, you know, they they die and reproduce all the time, but information is being passed on as to what that's going to be. And, and and that's another thing. Once we've gone through a traumatic event, especially a major traumatic event, that lesson that the cell passes on has some more different information than it did before. And it's going to include some things that we don't want to be there. For. Some um, dis-ease or the living without ease. It like it's just the way that it is. So so the energy system is that communication between those two. And I talk about it in that podcast that, you know, that's what when when we're talking about energy healing or energy work or things like that, it's the it's the middle ground between the dis-ease and the cure. And each individual has this no man's land in the middle of there that's full of uh, lots of tra- like traumas or stressors or things like that. And if we can work through those things, then maybe it doesn't get through to the other side to- through disease. But, you know, I-, I do have my good friend was scheduled to have surgery. She had burst her eardrum and-, and went to the ear, nose and throat doctor and he's like, you're an adult. This is like a little kid thing. What what's going on and and she did have some some stress. You know, she'd been she was divorced and had a lot of Anger thrown at her, right? So we could, we could look at it from that angle. So they scheduled surgery. She was needing to have surgery. It was hard because she's a single mom and she does hair. So the finances, her deductible is going up in January. So she was scheduled to have surgery. I think it was like last week she was scheduled and I was going to go up and help her. She, she does my hair and she's my good friend. And I was going to go, you know, sit with her after her surgery, hang out with her for a day and just wait on her we just talked as she was doing my hair, you know, what, what's your intention? And what does that look like? And my intention sitting in the chair, I didn't put my hands on her, but I, my intention was to send, you know, as to, was to be in reception of healing, I guess you could say for her. And, you know, I didn't, I just asked her questions and, and believed her when she says, I think I just want, she was determined. She's like, I want this to be healed. And, and I just, allowed that to be. So I said, okay, let's look at, let's plan it. You know, let's look at it. And we just, we just simply talked and, you know, and of course it was like, oh, that would be, you know, that would be amazing. Like, yeah, I think let's, let's try it, you know? And, and sure enough, you know, I, I, like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I said to her, okay, you don't ever, you're going to not have to have surgery. But when she went in to go have her pre-op she was just still not wanting to do it and telling the doctor like isn't there any way this can just heal on its own and he says no we've done it for months we've done everything we've could do and it's just not going to happen and so she went to go sign the paperwork and she just she just looks at him and he's like let's look one more time and when he looked he said what in the world it's it's healed you know like he's like i guess we'll see ya if you ever want your tonsils out you know and she was able to drive home and called me and she's like it's it's healed you know i very much give the credit to her you know for her intention for her healing her own body i mean even the doctors they intervene but it's the body that does the healing it's actually the body and in certain circumstances can we facilitate that you know can we create conditions where an individual feels you know, creates an experience where they can do that, where they move into that space, kind of connect those dots about what this, what's happening? What could this be telling you? What is the message that this, this hurt is maybe telling you, you know, what is that? What's the, what, when we were in ease, when we were living more in ease, which is more just about being able to to maneuver through life, it doesn't mean we just sit there and everything's fine, but we have the ease. We're just in a little bit more of a flow. You know, what does that ease look like and, and see what that looks like? That's why we called, we love the word wholeness and we call it the wholeness network because wholeness is, is an interesting thing if you look it up. It's both this whole, we're always whole and yet we're always um, moving toward wholeness at the same time. It's kind of this perfect um, duality of we're always whole in every moment and we're always moving towards wholeness. We're always, that's just the ultimate growth. So there's people I've known that they are dying but they are very whole. Our bodies do break down. They do have to go at a certain point when we have these uncomfortable times, these hard times. So when we have these pieces of ourselves that we just seem to effort through, we know there's been some kind of a wound, and that's where we need to go and find those, those pieces. And it happens all the time. There's, I still go have sessions, you know, I still have times where I'm not okay. And I I need support, you know, it's, and to try and let go of this idea that we're broken. I, to me, that's been my hardest thing about getting clients as people is you got to be kind of on rock bottom before you admit there's a problem, you know, before we want to say there's something wrong. And it's too bad because it's just the nature of humanity to the way we learn, we bump into people, we... Have hard times, difficult things happen, you know, and it's okay to make them a priority. It's okay to not have to, you know, pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and power through. There's, I just think that's, it's just kind of like, I don't need to eat. I can just live off of water and bread. I can do it. I can do it. Like, there's no need. Oh, I don't need, I don't need all of that good food. I just need what I need to survive. Like, we're doing that emotionally all the time. Yes. there's just no need. There's no hero. hero. It's just, oh, that's just in the past. That doesn't bother me. It it does. (laughs) It's bothering you. And then you're bothering me. (laughs) me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, it's just a different way of, you know, it's the generations for the longest time. It's just put your best foot forward. And so we don't want to think about having our wounds, but yet, man, If it was a physical wound, you wouldn't think twice about going and, and you know, you break your leg. You don't sit there and think, ah, I can do it. You know, you go get help, whatever that looks like. And sometimes that help looks differently. Sometimes that help is alternative versus just the regular and that's where that's where i come in and it's been a hard journey cuz i i was a very mental um left-sided brain type of person and i when i did my reiki i'm like i told people i'm like i'll never do reiki it's, it's too touchy <laughs> <laughs> and so i've learned to never say never uh, every time i've kind of told myself i would never it ends up being what i do next but it's been just you know amazing amazing To see the potential of human beings and the gifts that they have, I think we're so much more gifted than I'm talking about crazy, crazy things that you think are like just in sci-fi movies. I've seen experience, you know, it's been it's wild, it's just wild. What little young kids, I you know, and and when we start to ask questions, that's why I love working with kids, I because there's an impact. I'll share a story I had. I've had two of these at this extreme where two little girls about the same age, seven, they were at the hospital, at the doctor, the children's hospital every week getting help. They were in a psychiatrist. They were, they were in a psychologist's office. They were, it was like, what do we do? The the moms are coming to me with like, "I, I, this is overwhelming. I don't, I don't know what to do. And in both cases, when they came, you know, I just sat with them for a minute, you know, there's just something about sitting with someone and, and believing their story. You know, I tell the story, I there was this young girl, she she was seven. And again, yeah, she was just having all sorts of problems. And so her mom asked me to come and, and I was just kind of doing Reiki, because I just I thought maybe I would just be kind of a support to just kind of help her relax, you know, and she loved unicorns she loved unicorns and she talked about them all the time in fact I just saw her a few days ago it's been a couple years since I saw her and it was it was a fascinating conversation but and she's still just this young little girl that just loves unicorns but I I told her I says you know close your eyes and I just want you to go into that world and tell me everything you want to tell me about unicorns she was it was the first time she'd really been excited and she said oh they're Oh, wow. And she just kept like talking to herself, like, there's just so many. And oh, oh, and ah, like that's what she said the whole time. She was just like like grinning from ear to ear. And you know, and I I had asked her at one time, I said, so if they kind of wanted to be human-like, could they? Yes, but I love. When they're the unicorns, I love them. And she was like, "Oh, there's like they're having this little party." And she was just describing these scenes of, "Oh, they're just lo- they're hugging each other." And she says, "Oh, there's two of them here that love you. There's two of them here that really like you." And I says, "Oh yeah." She's like, "Yes." And she says, "Other oh, names are Goldie and and Candy." And then she starts laughing. She's like, "Oh, I mean, she likes Candy." <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, so I just let her go on as long as she wanted. It was the first time I think she went all the way into this obsession she had with unicorns. When we were done, I turned to her mom and I says, um, I need to tell you something. I said, I, I have a grandma, my grandma Goldie, who's been with me since I was five. I've known her. And my mom, Sandy, who, you know, is gone, passed over. I said, your daughter just communicated with my my grandma and my mom. And she was like, oh, you know, and I said, so, and several months later, you know, I saw them that's, I only saw her once that particular time, but when I saw her, the dad was there and the mom was like, hey, yeah, this is the one that came to our house. And he says, oh, she doesn't go to the doctors anymore. And I said, okay. She's like, she's done. Like she finished that. And I said, oh, you know, he just kind of gave me that look like, okay, she's going to be okay. And I think she's nine now, you know, she's still young. But when I saw her the other day, you know, are you still loving unicorns? I love them. She says, they're turning more into horses now, you know, and I says, great. Horses are great. What you tell me, anything you want to tell me about those horses, I will listen. You know, like we're talking highly, highly gifted kids who are suffering because we have no process for them to exist you know um and so it's showing up in these ways but i i think we it's that it's that because they're innocent and they can tell me in these different ways but put 20 years on that you know what i mean put 20 right. years on that so i see that a lot i see very gifted gifted people and um it's been it's amazing it's amazing. And so they do most of the work. I just know what questions to ask and to (laughs) help them find that truth of them somewhere hidden. We all have lost our way at some point or the other, you know, with some of these difficult experiences. So yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to witness, witness people's greatness. That's what I, like to do that's what I say. I do, I get to witness your greatness, yeah.
0: and guess their what?
1: Transformation. When, mm-hmm. And when I can see them begin to become the witness of their own greatness, that's when the healing comes. Like, you can't stop those people, you know. When I started and I says, Okay, if I'm going to teach and preach, what am I going to teach and preach about? When each person accepts their own divinity or their own greatness again, that's, that's wholeness. That's full on healing. Sometimes we have to zigzag a little bit before we're willing to accept that for ourselves. We've got to work through some things. But that's really what we're going to do at the very end of the day. You know, I want people to really be allowed to do that because all the layers of societal constructs have told us we're not allowed to do that. It's not true. It's not actually true. Just a whole bunch of layers put on about can I dare be enough? can i dare not even just be enough but can i dare be great and just feel that way and and live that way and that's that's the message and i hope um i that's my hope for the world i don't i don't care what anybody's done or who they are the subconscious and visualization our brain will accept visualization the same as real life and so we can visualize anything you know and and whatever that person needs we can we can work through that and see how it feels and how does that feel to do that did uh, didn't wasn't as great as you know it wasn't as great as i thought or it was like i'm exhausted because that energy's now gone and it's like great then let's take a nap you know like then, then
0: yeah. that, we did great stuff there then it's amazing the brain and all that is very amazing the human body alone is right amazing Right. That's why I say I'm like, it's divine. Do you know how many
1: systems have to work together for us to just walk around? Do you know the miracles that happen to in childbirth? I mean, if nothing else, like that's pretty amazing. That's some pretty amazing technology that you walk around with and and yet we we judge it as ugly. That doesn't even make sense. That's like calling your computer ugly. It's like, okay, fine, but have <laughs> you seen what I do with this computer? You know, like my phone is not necessarily beautiful. But boy, I, it's an amazing piece of technology, and I have a lot of respect for it, and it, I use it all, all the time. We get stuck on looks or expectations, or people are, at their core, amazing. I've never sat down with somebody, and they've told me their life story, and I say, like I've said before, of course, that makes sense to me. If I had walked your shoes, I'd be sitting in the same place you're sitting. It's just okay to be in this place right now. And now we can move forward and we can do something different. We can find patterns and and things in your thinking or in your emotional state that make sense. And we're going to keep digging and uncovering until you say you're okay. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's journey is different. And and you get to have that different journey, you know? Like that's the thing. There's no we don't need to do it on anybody's timeline. We don't need to do it on anybody else's standards you can say this is my journey this is what happened to me or this is what i want to happen okay and how do we let's work towards that goal or let's look back and see what we need to do to fix that and it's powerful you know it's that's, that's my my word is empowering i want to empower people is what i like my life's goal is is to empower people to accept themselves fully 100% and work through the things that are in the way of that. Because that's it.
0: I find you very inspiring and empowered.
1: So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I answered the call to 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 share. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you and to share a little bit of what I know. Every time I get on and talk with someone, it's a whole difference. Everything. I, it's like, we go in a different direction every time. There's so much I could talk eight hours straight. I swear about these
0: things. I There's just... a lot of places to go. There's a lot of places <laughs> to go. And,
1: yeah, and I, I, and that's the thing is different people have different meanings about what they mean. So it's like, okay, let's let's hit every single one. You know, they're all valid. My goal is to find that connection in a way that you know when the other person goes, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. And get rid of willpower. Like I don't like willpower. I don't like that word anymore. And it's weird because like I like motivational things, but it's like you know I'd much rather have the person empowered to be like, yeah, I can do that versus this tension. You know, like pushing myself to do it, or I'm just willpowering my way through. I think there's just a better way. I do. I think that that will. As soon as that willpower becomes difficult, like there's 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 a wound there. You know, <laughs> there's there's healing to be done, and it's not hard to happen it's gentle and it's important very
0: important. i agree very much though so. yeah. we all need to find our own journey and take care of ourselves yes, yes. mind body and spirit
1: that's right mm-hmm. they're all important components and they're all going to look different they're all going to look different and that's okay
0: yeah that's what makes you you yep right the magnificent you <laughs> that you are <laughs> well thank you so much do you want to tell everybody where to find you
1: so yeah so we our podcast is called the wholeness network podcast you can go to the network.com. so that's wholeness A- A- w-h-o-l-n-e-s-s sometimes people can't hear that word very well and then you can catch me at michellewingle.com it's m-e-c-h-e-l-l-e-w-i-n-g-l-e um, dot .com and on my own website I have this um free manifesting kit it's really kind of cool it works you through um because I, I I talk about how when when you're manifesting something really what that is is flow you got emotional flow and mental flow and when you're in mental flow and emotional flow that's manifesting so it's a really cool um, workbook that works you through the getting and learning how to get into the flow and there's a in fact the whole section on the mental is the nlp it's a whole nlp kind of uh kind of like this it's a, i think it's 3 or 4 pages that kind of works you through some reprogramming of of these mental thoughts so that you can find your flow and that's what is. so that. that's just kind of my know. free gift on my website which is kind of cool so yeah mishawingle.com and it's it, yeah it's awesome i love to connect with people you can reach out to me at uh, Wingle on instagram and facebook you can find me both there and i i post quite a bit and i i'm trying my posts are mostly trying to be uh you know inspirational or motivating so that's what i do not just telling my my life but to also really kind of make people think and feel for the better i i hope but yeah on instagram it's just my name michelle Winkle. you can find me and follow me there and and i have freebies once a month that i give away so it's kind of cool I'm gonna check it out.
0: Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I've yeah. been trying to post more motivational things as well. Try to get as much out there as you can. Right. Yep. Yep. I love it. Well, uh, yeah. I'll have to catch you too. I'll I'll
1: get on there too because yeah, I like. That's what I have to use it for. I have to keep myself going, like that up uplift. because it's it's a, when you get down the rabbit hole of negativity, it's it's mind numbing and it's not yeah. good for me. So I love a good. Positive, you know, friend. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're they're
0: important. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. But yep, that's me. All right, perfect. Make sure you guys check that out. That's pretty cool. Make sure that you are liking, following, subscribing on your favorite platform and or all of them. Leave a five star review on Spotify. I did find out that you can only do it on your phone, not on a laptop. If you haven't checked out my website yet, CrimeOverCocktails.com, check it out. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.